Welcome to the second season of the Every Wise Woman Builds podcast. I've got some really special ladies lined up to introduce to you this um, this second season. But before we get started, um, I wanted to share with you the number one reason that I do this podcast. In the Bible, it talks about how one thing can hold us captive all our lives, and that is the fear of death. Every one of us knows that it's coming. But the Bible also says that there is a way to be free of the fear of death. And in 1 John chapter 5, the Bible says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe in the name of the Son of God. All of us probably have been to funerals where it just hit us that life is short and death is coming and death is sure. We do not have to fear death, though, thanks to the words of Scripture. We don't have to make up for ourselves some fairy tale to um, make us forget that it's coming. And we don't have to eat, drink, and be merry and just hope that we can have fun now because we don't know what's coming in the future. We can know what's coming in the future. And so that's what I wanted to talk to you about today, about overcoming the fear of death so that so that you can know for sure that when you die, that you'll get to go to heaven. It's not based on any works of righteousness that we have done, because the very best thing that I have ever done can't change the fact that I've done a lot of bad things, too. And first of all, the Bible says that um, when God lo- when God made the world, um it was good. It was very good. But as um, as he made uh, man, when God made the world, it was very good. He put um, everything as it should be. He made man and he made woman. And he put, placed them in a garden that he had made, a beautiful garden. And he had one rule. He put a tree in the middle of the garden called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he told the man and the woman, well, he told the man uh, before he made the woman, he said, thou shalt not eat of it for in the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And then he gave the man a woman, a wife. And apparently the man told his wife, don't eat the fruit. If you know the story, the enemy, the evil one came in the form of a serpent, possessed a serpent and came to the woman and and not to the man, but came to the woman, which is kind of interesting and said, yeah, have God said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Um, like, yeah, I've heard, I've heard you're not allowed to do everything you want to do. And the woman said, oh, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it lest you die. And so the woman felt like she needed to straighten out this serpent who was mistaken and confused. And rather than go to the person who had told her, she decided to straighten him out all by herself. And when he saw that she was willing to talk to him, he kept talking. And he said, thou shalt not surely die. And God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil." And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit and she ate it. And she gave also to her husband with her and he did eat. And from then on, 
when the man ate the fruit that he knew, he wasn't deceived like she was. He knew what he was doing. Something happened. Sin entered their bodies. Sin, they chose to step into sin. They ate the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And suddenly they knew evil. And they knew what it was to do wrong. And that mutation of their body, because their bodies were perfect before this, didn't just hit their body. God came down and spoke to Adam and Eve. And they were never... um, never allowed to live in the garden again. They had to go out. They had to eat food that they could grow from the ground that they were now going to have to till. And um, it, Eve was going to have to have babies, that, and it was going to hurt. Now, each of these babies were going to be her children and also Adam's children. And coming from Adam, who had chosen to go against what God had told him, these children were also going to have that same mutation in their bodies and they were going to die at some point Um, because sin had entered their bodies at that time and death had entered their bodies at that time and their bodies had started to die at that time. Just like our bodies have started to die. Like I've heard, I don't know if it's true that all of us have a certain amount of cancer cells in our body. I don't know, but their bodies began to die just like ours are continually dying every day when we get up and it feels like we're hurting. Our bodies are in the process of dying, and at some some point, they'll completely give out. Before this, our, our bodies did not. They were not in the death process. So death passed on all men because all of us have sinned. All of us have done things that we knew we were not supposed to do. Somebody over us told us to do something, and we didn't listen. And so um, God made, as more people were born, God made more clear laws like do not kill, do not steal, do not commit adultery, things like that. And um, we have all willingly broken at least one of those. And in breaking one of them, we've broken we've broken the law in general. So God looked down from heaven on all the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. He wanted to see if maybe there was one person who had not broken his laws. And he saw there was none. There was none righteous. No, not one. So God himself, after many years and after many promises that he would do this, he left heaven and became a human. He became a baby, born like all of us, except he was born of a virgin. As God's son, he was born of a virgin. And this virgin would get married and she would end up having other children. But she brought forth her firstborn son and she called his name Jesus. And so many, so many prophecies um, written hundreds of years before had said um, how his birth would come to pass. And it, it came to pass exactly as all the prophecies said they would. And this little boy, baby Jesus, grew. And as he grew, he went through all the stages we go through. You know, he he nursed and then he um, got his first teeth and then he crawled and then he walked. I guess he crawled before he walked. <laughs> and then he, um, he was tempted to steal. And it, in all points, like we're tempted, he was tempted, except he never sinned. He never gave into the temptations that all of us have given into. When he was tempted to lie, 
He didn't when he was a little boy. When he was tempted to cheat when he was a little bit older, he didn't do it. When he was tempted to lust as a teenager, he didn't do it. In all points, he was tempted like we are. And he was even tempted by the evil one himself. Tempted with temptations that all of us have faced in some way in some lesser form. He was tempted. And he was tempted at his weakest point when he had not eaten in 40 days. But still, he did not sin. And he grew up. And he lived the perfect life that none of us have ever lived. And um, if you know the story, and I would highly encourage you to read it in the Bible if you've never read it, um, Jesus was accused by people who were jealous of his influence. He was accused of saying he was God, which he was. And because he had said he was God, they decided um, that was grounds to execute him. Because at this time, nobody was allowed to say they were God unless they were Caesar or something. And they totally ignored all the proof, like miracles he had done, raising people from the dead that proved he was God. And instead decided to execute him for saying he was God. And they did execute him in one of the worst ways imaginable at one of the darkest times in human history. They executed him on a cross by nailing his hands and feet to the cross. And they had tortured him already up to this point. And then they did this and he died and they buried him in a tomb um, cut out of the rock. And for three days and three nights, he was in this tomb. But on the on the um, early in the morning, on the third day, um, he rose from the dead and he was seen by many people. And when his followers, who were pretty much unlearned and ignorant men and women, when they saw him, they, of course, believed. And some had already believed, but but the others, they believed. And they were still afraid because they knew that um, they could be executed by the same people who had executed him. And it, it had been a terrible execution. And so they were afraid. But then Jesus left and went back up into heaven. And before he left, he told them to go into all the world and preach the gospel, the good news and the word of God that, that, that he had given them to preach it to every creature and to teach those people, to teach other people. And he went up into heaven and he told them to wait because he was going to send a, this promise from his father and they were going to have power to go do this. So he went up to heaven and In a few days, that power did come, and those men who had been terrified suddenly had the strength and the boldness and the bravery to go out and preach with courage, knowing that they were going to get thrown in prison, knowing they were going to get beheaded or executed in the worst ways. They still went out and preached, and they continued to preach, and those people that they told continued to tell. And it's still going on to this day, and that is the story of Jesus. That is the story of the Christian way, or or the way of Jesus, the way of the cross. And... Um, so I wanted to tell you that because that is the whole reason that I do any of this podcast or anything. And I wanted to tell you how you can also know, not that Jesus Christ lived and that he died and that he was buried and that he rose again, but that he did that for you in particular right there, just like you are. Because the Bible says that sin passed on all men. All of us have sinned on man, all mankind. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. 
Just like Adam and Eve, when they ate that fruit, death passed upon them and their bodies began to die. And one day their body would completely be dead. The same thing happens to us today and our bodies will continually die until we're dead. But the wages of sin is death. And there's also a second death. And the Bible says that in the last book of the Bible, it says, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. There have been so many stories of near-death experiences that this kind of people don't like to talk about and make movies about. But there have been many near-death experiences where people died and they did not go to the light. They did not go to heaven. They went to a place of torment and screaming. And um, hell is real. The Bible talks much about hell and about this lake of fire and how it is a place of torment and it's physical torment where um, someone would beg for a drop of water to cool their tongue and they couldn't have it and they could not leave hell. It wasn't a purgatory where they could get prayed out. It's a hell. It's a real place. It's a real lake of fire. And if there, if this wasn't real, then there would be no reason to tell the story of Jesus because there'd be, it would just be nothing. But the Bible says there is a place called hell. And many, many People have given the experience that they have seen hell and they did not want to go there. They did not want to go back. And so that is, if that was the end of the story, it'd be bad because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Death and hell are cast into the lake of fire. And that would be bad news because the Bible says in heaven, there shall in no wise enter into it anything that worketh abomination or the, anything that defiles it or, or works abomination or makes a lie, even liars don't deserve to go to heaven because God cannot allow those things into heaven. And so if that was the end of the story, it would it would be pretty, pretty rotten because there would be nothing we could do about it because none of us is good enough to go to heaven. The Bible says there is none righteous. No, not one. Jesus or the Bible says all our righteousnesses in God's sights are as filthy rags. That's how far short we come of the glory of God. But Jesus loves us. And since even though God, God cannot wink at sin and he cannot pretend that we haven't sinned and he can't just wipe it clean just because he wants to. He would take a substitute for us. And so while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus took the death penalty for us. He was not dying for a righteous person. He was dying for all of us sinners. And he was taking not only the blame, if you've ever been blamed for something you didn't do, you know how awful that feels. Jesus wasn't just taking the blame. He also took the punishment for the sins that we have done. And because he did that, once for all, every sin has been paid for. Jesus says, Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. And your punishment was finished when Jesus died on the cross. And there is no more any need for you to die and go to hell for your sin because Jesus paid it all. He paid every bit of your sin and every sin that you ever will commit. And so the Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God has given me, God has given you the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ, through what Jesus did when He died on the cross. He has given us for free this gift of everlasting life. And it's not... It's not free to Jesus. Jesus paid everything, but it's free to us because he's, he knows there's nothing we could do. The Bible says not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. He saved us because he loves us. Why? I don't know, but he does. And so there's two kinds of people 
in the in the um, world. And there's two places we can go. Some of us will go to heaven. Some of us will go to hell. And it's not based on how much good we've done compared to our bad. It's not based on our good works versus our bad works. It's not based on whether we've been able to make a pilgrimage to Mecca or whether we've followed an eightfold path all our life or um, or whether we've ever, never committed a mortal sin. Because really one sin could be a mortal sin. One sin is enough to keep us from heaven because one sin would defile heaven. God knew that we were completely without hope, without him. And so that is why Jesus came. So there's two kinds of people. The Bible says in John 3, 36, he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. That's God's Son, Jesus. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. God has given us his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish in hell, but should have everlasting life in heaven. All we have to do is accept that, accept the gift he's given us. Now, if we say, no, I don't need Jesus, then what we're saying is, I am good enough on my own. I can make, make it to heaven on my own. And we better be right. <laughs> we better make sure that we don't have any of our own sin to pay for. Because if we don't have Jesus, there remains no other sacrifice for sin. No other person has lived a perfect life and has suffered and died for our sins and risen again to prove that they were really um, had really accomplished it. So if we say, I don't want Jesus, God is never going to force himself on us. Jesus will never force himself on us. But if we don't want Jesus, then we get the wrath of God instead. Because I have a little boy. Let's say that you have a rare sickness and your blood type is so rare that there's only one person in the world that has the same blood type and you need a blood transfusion. And the only person in the world that has the blood type to help you with your blood transfusion that will save your life is my little boy, John. He's three years old and he is precious. If you've ever met him, you know. <laughs> so many people want to take him home with them because he's so wonderful. So just imagine my little boy, we say, okay, our little boy has your blood type. He, he'll, he can give you a blood transfusion. And the doctor looks at us and says, you don't understand. I'm going to need all his blood. He's so small. And this person is an adult. We're going to have to take all his blood. So we have a choice to make. Do we love you enough that we will give our son's blood, all of it, to give you a blood transfusion? Do we love you that much to sacrifice our son for your life? Because this is the only way that you're going to live. Otherwise, you're going to die terribly painful death. So my husband and I talk about it. We think about it and we say, we talk to little John and he wants to help you by doing this. And as well as he can, as a little three-year-old, he understands it. And so we say, okay, we're going to do this. We're, he's willing to sacrifice his life for you. So we schedule the, the procedure. They take all his blood, put it in the little blood bags and he's dead. And they bring the blood bags to you and they bring the IV up and they say, okay, here, here you go. This is going to save your life. Stick out your arm. And you say, whoa, 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 wait, what? I didn't know I was going to have to have an IV. And we're like, well, yeah, it's a blood transfusion. You're going to have to stick it in your arm. I'm not a nurse, so I might be getting this wrong. But, And you're like, no, no, no needles. I'm sorry. We can do this some other way. Maybe I can take a pill or something. 
We say, no, you have to do this. This is the only way. You have to take the blood. Our son has given his blood for you. And you say, no, I, I, I don't feel that sick. I, I'm going to be okay. And the doctor says, I don't care how you feel. You're going to die. You've got to take this blood transfusion or you're going to die. The kid has already given his life for you. And you say, well, I'm sorry about your son. I'm sorry. I'm just going to go now. Okay, how would we feel toward you? We would be so angry with you because we have given our son for you. And you say, no, you don't want it because it takes a needle. Okay, that is a very small picture of how God feels toward those people who he has given his son. The, the, the creator of the universe came and became one of the people he created. And not only that, but lived as a poor one who everybody looked down on. And he took the 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 blame for everything that you have done. And he didn't just that. He took the torturous death and then he shed all his blood for you. And you say, I don't want it. I'm okay. I don't feel that bad. I don't. Thanks, Jesus. But no, thanks. Yes. The wrath of God abides on those people because Jesus has done everything. And all we have to do is say, Jesus, I want you. I want you. Take me. I'm your child. I want you. And when we say no to that, then there remains no other no other substitute. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. He knew what he was going to do. He knew the death that he was going to face. But he came on purpose because he loved you. And all you have to do, you do not have to be perfect. He knows everything bad that I have done, and yet he loves me. He knows the awful things that I have not even done yet, and he still already paid for them. I don't care what you have done. He took the punishment. He took the punishment for Hitler if Hitler would have just accepted him. And once we have received him, to everyone that receives him, he gives them the power to be called the son of God, a child of God. If you have done something terrible and you think you don't deserve to be called God's child, when you become his child, he adopts you. And God made Jesus to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him so that when God looks at you, no longer does he see you in your sin. He sees Jesus covered in your sin, and he sees you as perfect as Jesus was, clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And I don't care what you've ever done or even what you ever will do. God, when you believe Jesus, you become God's adopted child, and he sees you as perfect. He sees you as his own. And he knows how to make you into a child that he is pleased with. So anyway... That is how you can know for sure that if you died, you would go to heaven. If you realize that, yes, you've sinned, yes, you have broken God's laws, and yes, you don't deserve heaven. None of us do. But Jesus loves you. God, the creator of the universe, loves you enough to come in human form and suffer and die instead of you and be buried and rise again, proving that he had conquered death for you. The Bible says, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. He said, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. I wanted to tell you all this. I know it's been long and drawn out, but this is so important. This is the whole reason I do these podcasts is because I want you to know Jesus. Jesus has blessed me so much, and I'm not even talking about knowing that I'm going to heaven. I'm talking about so many ways he's blessed me on in this life. He has 
made me so happy. And if you could have just a little bit of happiness that I have been blessed with, you would be a very happy person. But he has so much more for you than I can even guess. Plus heaven too. And so I wanted to tell you this so that you can open up your heart to Jesus and say, Jesus, I receive you. I believe that you died for my sins. And I want you to wash me clean of every sin that I have ever done. Take me to heaven when I die, and please help me to tell other people about you. Because really, that is when you really start to have the good life, is when you start telling other people about Jesus. You may have known him for many years, but if you can study the gospel, every time you hear the gospel, if you will study it, pay attention to it so you can learn how to share it with somebody else, that is when your life starts to get good. That's when you start to find out um, the joy that that. God really means for us to have. And no life is perfect with Jesus, without Jesus. No life is perfect because this world is messed up. But with Jesus, all the bad things that happen turn into into good things. Without him, you constantly feel bad. You feel miserable. I know. I've tried. But when you say yes to Jesus, step by step, yes, Jesus, I will be baptized. Yes, Jesus, I will go to church regularly. Yes, Jesus, I will tell my friend about about you. Little by little, every little thing that he tells you to do, if when you do that, you start to find that life gets really good really fast. So um, I hope this has been an encouragement to you. And um, anyway, I hope you have a great, um, a great week. And next week, I'm really excited about our um, guest. We're going to get to talk to Miss Valerie Elliott Shepherd. Miss Val is the daughter of Jim and Elizabeth Elliott, and she is a pastor's wife and a mother of eight. And she is such, uh, such a delightful person to talk to. She reminds me so much of um, both her mom and things I've read about her dad. She's very focused and deliberate and wise. And I believe you're really going to enjoy hearing um, from her. Also, she has a new book coming out here in January 2019. It's called Devotedly, and it is the love story between her parents, Jim and Elizabeth Elliot. Um, you may have read about this love story in Passion and Purity. I read about it um, when I was single, but she's re- she's um, put together many of the love letters between her parents, and I cannot wait to read this book. It's a beautiful book, too. So I hope you will tune in next week and listen to this wonderful lady that so, so, so honored me by letting me get to talk to her. Anyway, God bless, and I hope you have a great week as we turn our hearts toward home. Turn your heart toward home. Turn your heart toward home.